Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. Welcome in another edition of We're Talking Tonight. Craig Malonson with our guest. I will call, stop calling him a special guest because he's on every week now. So, but he's still special in some ways. Dave Amato. Dave, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm drinking a little Ezra Brooks seven-year-old barrel strength bourbon, which I can tell you if, if I, I bought three bottles of it when I found it, and now I'm wish I'd have bought three more. So, but it's, it's very tasty. Nice. And yourself, what are you uh, sipping on there? I noticed something in your hand on the video. Yeah, you, you give me a hard time every time I tell you about my IPAs. So tonight I decided to go with uh, a Bavarian Nights Oktoberfest out of uh, Tin Roof Brewing in Baton Rouge. So I've got an, uh, an Oktoberfest, but I do have an IPA waiting on deck hey. um, that if I have to break it out, I will. You can have all the IPAs you like. It's just not for me. I mean, I'm going like, what the heck? Did some cat just come piss in my beer? So, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, what is the other? Uh, uh, there is a another uh, brewery there in Baton Rouge that has a baseball theme, I think. Yeah, Rally Cap. Rally okay. Cap. I, I, I really enjoy Rally Cap's beers. Um, I've actually been to both Tin Roof and Rally Cap. Rally Cap's a neat little place, very baseball themed. Uh, a lot of the clothing they sell, all the beers are named something to do with baseball. Uh, as a baseball fan yourself, you should probably try to get over there and check it out. It's a pretty cool place. I am. Uh, I will at some point. Uh... Uh, travel and especially to Baton Rouge is not in my plans right now. I do have a friend that comes from New Orleans for the Cajun games and usually stops there. So I'm going to make sure that he brings me one of each at least so that I could have it uh, there you go. On, on the wall. So let's talk some football here. Last week, the Sun Belt, um, you know, kind of went over all the games with, with, with Danny, went over them with Colin on our Monday review. Uh, Jay and I talked about him a little bit, not a whole lot. Uh, anything that stood out for you, uh, this past weekend though? Yeah, I, I had a chance to watch a handful of them. Uh, I, I you know, I, I got the early game and the Buffalo coastal game and that was fun to watch. Um, Buffalo put up a better fight than I thought they were in that game. Uh, but it was, it was a good, good game. I was surprised at the outcome and Buffalo had a chance to, to, to maybe win it um, and, and they didn't, but, but I think that was a really exciting game. Uh, gives us an, a little introspective about, you know, where Coastal is. Uh, I feel like very good team, but I don't know if they're where they were last year at the end of the season. And, and, and same with the Cajuns, right? We're, I think yeah. the teams are growing and trying to figure out where they are. So do you think Buffalo's better than expected or Coastal's growing pain similar to the Cajuns or maybe a little bit of both? It's probably a little bit of both. I think uh, I think Buffalo had some expectations to be a pretty good team this year, but I I, I thought Coastal was going to win that game handily, and they didn't. Uh, so I think Coastal is still trying to figure out who they are. I, I think they're better than they played in that game, and Buffalo probably played 
uh, a little higher than they expected to play because they were playing some pretty good competition. So I, I think it was a little bit of both on that, on that side okay. of it. Anything else that around the league there? I mean, there were some, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, look, I was completely shocked that Georgia state beat Charlotte. Um, I think that one blew me away. Um, never expected that to happen. Uh, um, and Georgia state did it by benching their quarterback quad Brown, which, which kind of shocked me. Which basically, um, and, basically it started uh, all of last season and he played in four yeah, games a year before and is still technically a freshman. So that, that is absolutely correct. And, and had some really good games last year. Um, and I really thought he was going to take a step forward. I don't know if they'll go back to him at some point, but yeah, he got benched in that game. Um, I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on the Troy Southern Miss game because yeah. I don't think Southern Miss is a very good football team. No. Uh, but Troy got the win, which the conference needed. Um, so I was excited to see that. Um, I, I, the, the, the two that kind of, well, the three, but the three um, F, uh, FCS games against um, Sunbelt competition kind of, was interesting to watch. Incarnate Word beat Texas State. You and I talked about it off the air. Texas State was without 28 players uh, due to COVID protocol. So I think that had a lot to do with that game. Um, South Alabama struggled mightily with Alcorn State. And I, I got a chance to watch that game. I was at my, my daughter Cheers uh, for her school. And we got home in time to watch the second half of the South Alabama Alcorn game. And I'm going to tell you, I Alcorn was putting up a fight in that game that I, I was shocked to see because I had watched Alcorn earlier in the season against NC Central, and they did not look like a very good football team. So I I don't know how good the three know South Alabama is. So it's going to be hard to tell. We'll we'll find out a lot about them in in two week or a week and a half now uh, when we play them. The Jackson State ULM game. I, it was one of the most painful games to watch in the history of football. Neither was. team was good. Neither team was very good offensively. Uh, and ULM has some serious problems. I mean, some hey, serious problems. But they, ULM does have the Sunbelt Conference Special Teams Player of the Week this week. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I get that he got that award. And, and, and look, he made some big field goals. He made four of yeah. them. He also missed two. I mean, okay. the guy, it wasn't like he was he was four of six in the game. Now, he had some big kicks, and he was the reason they won the game because they could not get the end zone at well, all. But you have to remember, uh, though, it, it depends on what everybody else did, too. He might have still been the best the best out there. I yes. don't know. You know, there yeah. might not have been any big returns. There might not have been any uh, other <laughs> field goal kickers, you know, uh, no, no last-minute field goals and things like that. So I, I get it. And, hey, good for them. Good for them. Yeah. I, I Good, the the last first one. win in yeah. first win in uh, since November of nineteen. Um, so they get a win. Good for them. I don't think they're going to get many more, if any, the rest of the season. So um, enjoy this one. And and it was a special moment to see um, to see Dion and 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 Terry Bowden on the field together, just because of the history between the Bowdens and yeah. uh, Dion that playing for that. Yeah. And in the other game, and then just briefly, the Washington Arkansas State game. I, Man, was I, I ever cannot, wrong? Yeah. I, 
Look, I did not think that Arkansas State was going to win that game, but I really thought Arkansas State had the ability to score, you know, 20, 25 points in that game. And they they scored three. And and it wasn't as close as the score indicated. It was 52 no. to three. And, and I forgot what you and I talked about. I know we mentioned what the over was, and I think they might have gotten really close to it, but Washington scored every point to get there. Yeah. I think it might have been 55. It was 50-something. I remember that. They only scored 55 points in the game, and Washington had 52 of them. So <laughs> yeah, it, it, it just, was an ugly game. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to. I'm embarrassed enough. I'm not going to continue talking about that when I don't want to bring up bad memories for me. So uh, you're listening to we're talking with Craig Melanson. Melanson. See there, I can't even pronounce my, my own name. I'm not sure how I'm going to pronounce it. Easy for you to say. Uh, Dave Amato. So Dave, let's go. Let's go into next week. We, we got Thursday night football in the Sun Belt again. I do not know. I hadn't taken a look if, if, if the Sun Belt is the only team again. Uh, the only, only conference you know, playing, but App, App State and Marshall. Yeah, I don't know if they are or not because I hadn't looked at that, but I'm going to tell you whether they are or not, that is a really good, a really good Thursday night game. Um, Marshall, we know how good App is. Marshall is a team that's going to compete for the Conference USA title. Um, they're a, you know, better than average uh, G5 football team. So, but this and these two teams have history, right? They were in the same conference together for a long time in FCS. So, so this is an, a really good game played in Boone. So I, I'm excited to watch it. Um, it well, I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun. It's actually the only game on Thursday night. There are four games on Friday night, including uh, okay. middle, uh, Charlotte uh, hosting Middle Tennessee in Liberty at Syracuse, which I, uh, I think is going to is a very interesting game because – Syracuse played Syracuse Ohio. Ohio. Ohio, That's right. So Um, I'll be be interested. Yeah. I think the Friday night I I will be in Indianapolis. I'll be flying out Friday morning, but I will be, I will be watching that uh, Liberty uh, game. I think that'll be a very good game on Friday night. And like I said, I think the Marshall app game is super, super exciting. Uh, for Sunbelt fans. And I think it's really exciting for just football fans in general. I think it's going to be a good football game. I hope so. And the, the weather is going to be fairly nice. It's going to be 58 degrees in, uh, in Boone, North Carolina. So I don't know if, I don't know if we've ever played a game against App State where it was 58 degrees. Uh, <laughs> my first game there. It was after our Cayman Island trip. We went to the Cayman Islands mm-hmm. for basketball. I was there, and I remember it was very nice when the game started about 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, whatever it was. It was very nice, but, man, sun went behind the hills, the, the mountains, I should say, not hills, mountains, and it got cold yeah. quick. So, but it, it, well, that, that was probably – that that was, that was the nicest one that we had. So, For any listeners who have not been to Boone – in anywhere between November and February, I'm going to tell you, it is one really cold place. We, uh, I went up there for a basketball game in January years ago, and we went in and watched the early part of the ladies game. At that point, it was only like six o'clock in the afternoon, in the evening, and it was still fairly nice. And by the time we got out of the arena, it was about 10 o'clock at night. 
and uh, the weather had dropped about 30 degrees. And if you've ever been to the app arena where they play basketball, you cannot park anywhere near it. Uh, you actually have to walk up a set of stairs, like almost up the mountain, and it is freezing cold the whole walk. So that is a tough place between – for four months out of the year, it is a miserable place to be. I love Boone, but, man, it's cold. <laughs> All right. So back to football, though. Uh, UMass, uh, Coastal Carolina, I don't yeah. see that being much of a game. This one kind of intrigues me a little bit. Uh, the next one, Texas State at Eastern Michigan. It intrigues me a little bit because yeah. it's another Mac game. And uh, I know Texas State's not going to have all their players back, but they should have a good bit back. Yeah, from what I, I heard, I think they're getting some of their players back. Um, I, it's going to be interesting how many of those guys they get back. Uh, EMU is a six-and-a-half-point favorite right now. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Texas State lost to um, yeah. hard word. So I don't know if that spread is exactly where it's probably going to end up. Um, but it would be a good game. You know, Sunbelt, that's another one that Sunbelt would like to get a win, right? I, I think they need to show that they can beat the MAC um, and, and peer conferences. But that's going to be interesting because a lot of it's going to depend on how many guys they get back. The Georgia State Auburn game, I think, is going to be just a total blowout. I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't know yeah. what else to say about that. I don't think there is anything to say okay. about it. I think the next one, I think the next one's a good one. Arkansas um, State I, at Tulsa, I think, is is going to be the one that that yeah. uh, I'm going to be looking at very closely because it's one of those again. Uh, I'm not sure that Arkansas State can win, but at the same time, we need the Sun Belt to have a good showing in these non-conference game against our peer conferences. So Tulsa is a 13 and a half point favorite and they're 0 and 3. Um, so I, I, yeah, I don't, I think Tulsa's probably going to win that game. Um, but, but Arkansas State's got to show something. We know they can put up points offensively and yards offensively, and they did not against Washington, but they've got to be able to move the ball against Tulsa and score points. So I, I don't know how that's going to shake out, but. Man, they they got to show something more than they did against Arkansas and uh, against uh, 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 against Washington. Yes. And if they don't, then then they may be a a worse team than I thought they were going into the season. And I say I, I had a lot of questions about them going into the season anyway. But but yeah, if they if they go out there and lay an egg against Tulsa, we could see some. It, it, it might get a little. It might get a little warm in Arkansas uh, for for uh, for Coach Jones over there. I think he's fine this year. First year, I don't think. Oh no, I think he's fine this year. But but, but, but yeah. uh, moving on, uh, Troy at ULM is is our last one before we get to our, the main uh, the main event for us. But Troy Troy at ULM, uh, I, don't, I don't I don't see this being much of a game. At yeah, all. I I think. I think Troy, you know, Troy's proven enough that they're a a good football, a decent football team, a middle of the road Sun Belt team, uh, who can challenge the upper echelon of the conference. Uh, and ULM has shown nothing to tell me that they're anything more than a team that probably will finish one and eleven this year. Um, so I think Troy goes in there and wins that one pretty handily. They're they're a twenty four point favorite. Yeah. Well. Uh, that's, that's our around the Sun Belt tonight. So we'll be back right after this message. You're listening to, we're talking with Craig Melanson and Dave Amato, and we will be right back. 
we're back to work talking tonight. Craig Malonso and Dave Amato. Dave, the game that we've been uh, that we're here tonight to really talk about is our preview with Georgia Southern. You know, I I don't know how much you got to listen to Danny or Colin or Jay or uh, some of the guys that we've had on. It's been a fun week for me. I've learned a lot about the the football team. Uh, uh, in theory, I don't think the Cajuns should have a, a, a rough time, but at the same time, Georgia Southern has not been an easy place for the Cajuns to play necessarily. So uh, let's start out on the def- no, defensive yeah. side of the ball for yeah. uh, for Georgia Southern, or, or I guess for the Cajuns, let's say say it that way. The Cajuns, what, what are we looking at the Georgia Southern offense? So so they're, they're, it's an interesting football team when you look at it in, in what's going on with them. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, they are not doing well health-wise. But on the offensive side of the ball, it seems like they're starting to get some healthy bodies back. Um, obviously, the biggest piece of that is that quarterback. They, you know, they, we talked about it in our Sunbelt East preview um, that they had Shy Wirtz there for a long time, who was a, just a dynamic athlete, could do so many special things. And going into the season, it was kind of up for grabs on who was going to be their quarterback between uh, a guy who had been in the program a few years, Justin Tomlin, and a transfer from Georgia Tech, who ran a similar style offense um, in James Graham. Well, James Graham ended up being moved to wide receiver and, and then abruptly entered the transfer portal um, and now is out of the program when Justin Tomlin missed the first two weeks because of an academic suspension so now he comes back last week gets his first playing time and look they played an Arkansas team who was really good don't get me wrong um, and I did not expect them to win that game now he did have a 76 yard run where he outran everybody on the field which proves to me that Justin Tomlin is a, a, a very good athlete but before he was in the game or before he started that game they had two guys that were playing quarterback who were not quarterbacks. Um, they had Amari Jones, who we saw play against the Cajuns a few years ago from Tulane, who's a running back who was playing quarterback. And then they had another guy who's listed as a wide receiver in Cam Ransom, who was playing, I'm sorry, Cam Kennerson, Sam Kennerson, who was playing quarterback. So they've been bouncing around different guys at quarterback, trying to fill in until they could get Tomlin back. Tomlin's their guy. I think they they're they have the ability to do some things because they have so many athletes who can play quarterback. And because of their style of offense, um, they can put different type of players there to do some things. Um, but I was thinking about this before we got on the air. And I, I, I want to give you kind of a, a, you know, we all know what Georgia Southern has been, right? They, their offense was a triple option attack for many, many, many years. Um, and, and the best perspective, because you're a baseball guy, and I wanted to give you this, is playing Georgia Southern is like playing against a really good knuckleball thrower, right? You don't practice against a guy like that. You don't know what to expect. And you don't have anybody on your roster who can be the scout team against a team like that. Well, what's happened with Georgia Southern over the last two years is they've kind of changed a little. They still run a triple option attack or what they call double slash triple option attack. And then they've decided to throw the ball more. So it's almost like you got that knuckleball pitcher who now found himself 
the uh, the ability to throw a second pitch and he can throw it for strikes it's not a his best pitch and he doesn't want to throw it a lot but he has the capability of doing it because you're completely off balance so so that's what the cajuns are going to be facing this week is a guy a team that is going to try to run the ball 60 to 70 percent of the time they are going to run the ball this is a team that never threw the ball 30% of the time, and they, they are going to try it. They will put the ball in the air, and, and, and we'll see what they do. And it's, it's tough for a defense because your safeties and your linebackers are already playing tight, right? They're trying to play to stop the run, so they're playing short, and your quarterbacks are on islands playing man-to-man press coverage. And then what happens is they see the quarterback get out of the pocket, and their assumption is go after the quarterback because he's going to run. Well, guess what? Now he's going to chunk it downfield. And we saw it last year when we played him. They beat us four times down the field on long plays because we were playing, trying to stop the run. And nobody, we had no safety over the top because our safeties were playing to stop the run. So I, I think your fear is, man, don't let that quarterback get out of the pocket with a receiver running downfield free and, and because he's going to be wide open and, and their quarterbacks are not great, but, but these guys can hit wide open receivers and they, yeah. they prove they can do it. So uh, especially Tomlin, who's more of a quarterback than the other two guys. What about on the running the back other side thing, though? Cause we need, I mean, yeah. because for that triple option to work, you've got to have a, you've got to have a running back that can do something. And I know it was against Arkansas, yeah. but I'm not seeing a whole lot there. Uh, yeah, well, well, they were missing, um, you know, we're missing JD King, who they were, they've been trying to get back for this game. Um, and I, I think he'll be, they're going to try to get him to go. I don't know how healthy he is. Um, they've also got a guy, Logan Wright, who's played a lot of football, but they really like Amari Jones, but he got hurt last week. They, the assumption is I, I listened to, uh, coach Lunsford's press conference a little bit today. And he said that um, the, 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 uh, the test came back negative and he should be fine uh, to play. Well, e- even, even if the tests come back negative and you're fine to play, it doesn't mean you're going to be a hundred percent. So, but we'll yeah. see. Yeah. So, so yeah, so they, they have a stable of running backs and they've got a young freshman. They were like a lot. They lost two guys last year that were good. Wesley Kennedy and Matt Morose, but they still have some really good, good running backs. Um, Gerald Green is the, the, the young freshman that I think they really are excited about. And they've got one really good wide receiver who catches about half their passes. Um, there's a guy by the, his last name's Hood, and he beat us for two, two passes last year when we played him. Um, so Khalid, Khalid Hill, Hood is his name. Yep. Uh, but he, he's got 15 of their 39 catches on the season and 136 of their yards. So he's their main guy. And they've got a pretty good tight end as well, uh, who only has six catches on the season, but he's been with the program for, for a handful of years. So, and their offensive lines experience They're they're fast. They're not big, huge guys, but they're, um, they're, they're pretty athletic guys. They, I think they only have, one guy who's over 300 pounds, but they're, but they're guys who are just, they're, they're, they're built to run that double and triple option. Right. Offense. The thing that interests me about the edge, the thing that interests me about Cleve hood though, is that he's only five ten, 
And I, right. I understand the whole slot receiver and all that stuff and doing all that thing. But it seems like where, where we might have the advantages, we've got some bigger defensive backs here uh, that we might have some advantage there. So at least I'm maybe that's wishful thinking, but uh, hopefully so. That yeah, defense like I, yeah, like I, I agree with you. I think the, the one thing we've got to watch out for is making the assumption that he's going to run as a quarterback and leaving that receiver or that defensive back on an island. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. He is not, he's not a guy that we face when we face Arkansas state or we face uh, even coastal or some of these other teams that have these big six foot three, six foot four, uh, just body receivers that are hard to guard. It's really about this guy getting downfield and getting open and, and he's a speeder. He, he, look, he's, he's a talented guy. They don't have a ton of other receivers they throw to. They've spread it out to a lot of other guys, but he's the main weapon that they have. And they, they throw it to their backs a little bit out of the backfield as well. So got to be careful for that. You're listening to We're Talking with Craig Malonson and Dave Amato. Dave, let's move to the defensive side of the ball for the 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 – the, the Eagles uh, been decimated in their back and their secondary. Uh, what, what are we yeah. looking at there? Well, they, they've been decimated on defense altogether. Um, I was, I was looking at some things today. So they've, they're going to be missing two inside linebackers that they expected to, to be playing uh, uh, Todd Bradley, Glenn and um uh, the other gentleman, I forgot his name, but two inside linebackers. But bigger than that, they're all American cornerback. Uh, Derek Canteen is out for the season, and that's a huge loss for them. Their strength is on the is the the, the front three. Um, their defensive uh, line is very good, um, and they've got a and they're veterans. Um, Justin Ellis, CJ Wright is their nose tackle. I watched a little bit of the games they've played this season. CJ Wright is a, a big time player. Justin Ellis is exciting on the edge. Um, but their front three of their three, four defense are, is really good. And the linebackers are pretty good, but you're going to be missing two guys out of that bunch. Um, so they've, 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 they've plugged a few guys in and they think they've got some young talent. Um, they've got a couple of transfers at the linebacking core, one from North Carolina and one from Florida State, who I think are going to make some make some plays. Randy Wade is probably their most consistent linebacker, and uh, he's a pretty good one. So they've got they've got some talent in the front seven. The the back four are going to be an issue. Um, like I said, specifically, uh, last I heard, they had moved one of their wide receivers to cornerback and he is either going to be starting or he'll be the first guy off the bench for them uh, in a defensive backfield and I, I you know anytime you know we saw it a couple of years ago when we moved Michael Jaquette to uh, defensive back he was a fantastic defensive back but he he was not that good right off the bat it took him a while to learn the position um, and I think I think they'll be fine back there at some point but I, I think we have the ability to attack them um, on the uh, in the passing game. Yeah, and I think I, I think Levi's going to have to do that. It's definitely something different from running frontwards to running backwards most of the time. So then yeah. being able yeah, to take absolutely. that. So and look, going back to them a little bit offensively and and defensively, um, they don't turn the ball over. 
Like this team in the last few years has been one of the top teams nationally in not giving up the ball and they can force some turnovers this year. They, they, they don't have a turnover. I don't believe. Um, and, uh, I'm sorry. They, I'm sorry. They have a fumble and an interception on the season, uh, that they, but they don't turn it over much. They're always in the positive. So it's, they're a, they're a very good football team, uh, and very hard to defend. Right, because you don't play against that style of offense a lot. They're going to try to play fast, and they're going to try to get you in 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 positions where you don't have the right personnel on the field. Here's what I find interesting, though. I mean, for a team like that, that uh, they don't have a lot. I think they've got four field goals on the season, so they haven't mm-hmm. scored a lot on the field goals. But at the same time, uh, the Gardner Webb game, they were five for five in in the red zone. Florida Atlanta game, they were 0 for 2. So they only got in the red zone twice. Now they only scored yeah. six points. I think both of those were field goals. So and and then the Arkansas game, they were one for one, uh, which was uh was which was a field goal. So it, it's one of those things I'm going, um, you know, and it, it it just it just I just find that now and but their opponents are two for two, four for four, and five for five. So if we can get in the red zone. Feel yeah. confident we can score. Uh, I'm hoping so, that we have some big so plays, this, though, that we don't need all the – you don't need to sit in the red right. zone five times. So here's a couple of things that are really interesting when you really break this team down. First of all, they're worse on third down defense than we are, and we, we've talked at length about how bad we have been this season. Now, we were much better in the Ohio game than we had been in the first two games, but we still weren't great. And they're worse than us on third down conversions. And we haven't been great on converting our own third downs. They're worse than us on both of those occasions. The other thing that is interesting, and, and I wrote this down because I, I did not want to miss this. So listen to this. In the Gardner-Webb game, the halftime score was 20 to 6. Uh, Georgia Southern was up. In the F. FAU game, the score was 10 to 6, they were losing. And the Arkansas game, it was 24 to 10. So in the first half of their first three football games, they were scored 54 to 36. Not too bad, right? In the second half of those football games, they were scored outscored 19 to 10 against Gardner Webb, 28 to nothing against FAU, and 21 to nothing against Arkansas. They've been outscored in the second half of football games, 68 to 10, and those 10 points were against Gardner-Webb. But don't, don't you – I mean, to me, that 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 speaks highly of what they've been going through with the injuries, that they have no depth right now. And yeah. I think – and that's what's going to happen. Uh, I think the same thing, you know, if the Cajuns do struggle, it will be in the first half if they do struggle and should pull away just like they did in the Ohio game quite confidently, in my opinion. Which again, we yeah, I, 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 I think you're absolutely right, and I think that's why that stat jumped out at me the the most is because there's there's something there that's look they've played very well in the first half of three football games, and if you're playing that well, you would think you go into halftime, you make a few adjustments, and you come back and 
I think they're running out of gas, to be honest with you. And I think a lot of that is their defensive side of the ball with all the injuries and what they're missing. They don't have the depth to keep on the field. And, and, and I, look, we, we've talked about this many times that, you know, one thing that Billy does really well for the Cajuns is make those halftime adjustments and come back out on the field. And the, the Cajuns seem to be, play better most of the time in the second half of football games. So uh, this is going to be one that you're right. It might be a dogfight at halftime. We might be just up by a few points or even, you know, losing by a few points. But I think in the second half, if we can wear them down, if we can run the ball, you know, almost every game we've talked about this year, we keep saying if the Cajuns can run the ball effectively and wear teams down and it opens up the passing game for Levi, I think that's where the Cajuns have the best chance to beat this team. Well, here are two two other stats that I think that I find uh, very telling, revealing, however you want to say it. The first one being they've only returned five kickoffs, which is fine. I understand the game has changed. There's lots. Now you can fair catch it. You get the ball to 25, but they've already returned five of them. And the longest one was for 21 yards. So, yeah. uh, but you also, the, the, this one is more telling to me that tells me they don't have the defensive line. They don't have the, the defensive backs to stop the, uh, uh, the, the gunner, the, you know, the, the guys on, on the ends is that they've only returned one punt and that's Kaleeb hood who we talked about as a receiver. He's only returned one punt and it was for zero yards. And zero that's, yards. I saw that. And that's where I think our, I mean, I know it's strange to talk about special teams in a, in a game like this, but the when the Cajuns are punting, I think that's where the Australian style punter really comes into play because it allows your guys who I think personally, I think it allows the guys to go downfield and are never called for uh, men downfield, but Hey, everybody does it now. Look, so what the heck? Yeah, I think, look, I think it, it's pretty blatantly obvious with this football team. They are very smart. They don't make a lot of mistakes and they don't beat themselves. Right. They don't, they're not a very highly penalized team and they, don't turn the ball over. That's that tells me a lot about who they are and how they how disciplined they are as a football team. That's great because if you don't have the free snap and the post snap penalties, that means you're a very disciplined football team. But it doesn't matter how disciplined you are when you give up an average of 353 yards in the air, and that's what they do on defense. That's a problem. And it wouldn't be as big of a problem if you were able to stop the run, but they're giving up 172 yards. They're giving up over 500 yards in offense in three football games this year, which leads me to believe that no matter how disciplined you are and how well you play and how, 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 how organized you are to walk on that field, you don't have the athletes to stop teams. That's that's a little bit of a problem. And look, they've played two very good football teams yes. in, in FAU and Arkansas. Um, but they really didn't show a lot against Gardner Webb either. And 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 I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a I don't follow Gardner Webb that much. I don't know how good of an FCS team they are. But but they beat them 30 to 25. But again, they were up 20 to 6 at halftime, and something happened in the second half that Gardner Webb made that a really tight football game. Well, I think the other thing you brought up was they don't turn the ball over, but I, I mean, I see one interception and one fumble. The other thing is though, they have put the ball on the ground five times or fumbles. Yeah. They just happen to recover them four times. So if the, I think yeah. if the, the Cajuns can put some licks on these guys, 
there's an opportunity for the uh, the Cajuns to to get the ball turned over and then play the Cajuns kind of ball game. So just yeah. and we talked we talked about getting off the field on third down. They give up 56% of third downs. Um so the Cajuns are going to have to take advantage of that, right? Yeah. And 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 on the flip side of that, we talked about the Cajuns have to be much better about stopping teams. They the first two season the games of the season they were terrible. They got much better against Ohio. They've got to do the same thing against Georgia Southern. They've got to get off the field on third down. And if they can do that, I don't think this turns into a great game. I don't think it's going to come down to a 53-yard field goal to beat them at the end of the game. I hope. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, I think they the Cajuns have some advantages in this football game, and I, I think they need to take advantage of those. I think this is a game the Cajuns are truly bigger, stronger, faster, faster, and I hope I hope that shows with with the final score. Uh, the Cajuns need to uh, to to, and I'm not saying to um, this for the fans, but because we the next home game is on a uh, Thursday night, Tuesday night. night. No, Tuesday no, night. No, no, it's a Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a Tuesday. The next home game is a Tuesday it's night. It's a Tuesday uh, night. So, I mean, if the Cajuns come come out here and show something in a team that, quite frankly, they've struggled a little bit at times with, and then South Alabama, again, another team that we've struggled a little bit against before the Billy Napier era, era it was the home team had won every game. So uh, if they can show that, hopefully that Tuesday night crowd, I know it's a little ways away. I'm not looking ahead. But App State's coming in. We need everybody there. So, uh, but no, uh, great preview as always, uh, Dave. Any last thoughts on this that you uh, want to reemphasize anything or, or or talk about something we might have missed? No, no. I just look. Uh, you know, we we touched on it. I know we're way ahead the cart, way ahead of the horse here. But you know. If, if the Cajuns can come through these two road games, and, and they're not going to be easy ones, but they should be favored in both of them. If they can come through these two road games and be 4-1, and one, we assume App's coming in at 4-1. and one. These fans got to get get out there and get ready, and, 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 and it, we need a big showing on a Tuesday night. I know it's hard on a Tuesday night for family and work and kids and school. Yeah, we just gotta we gotta just get our fans out there and, and make sure we show up. I well, I, I, this is a good football team, and we we we've we've been dying for good football teams for a long time. And you and I have been doing this, you know, watching the Cajuns for a long time. And and this this should be when people show up. It doesn't get much better than this, quite honestly. It wins and losses, record setting the last couple of years. Uh, bowl victories over the last, you know, 10 years. I mean, never saw that before, uh, you know, 2011. Yep. So uh, lots to be positive about, lots to look forward to. Uh, Cajun fans, I can tell you now, if you know you're not going to make the game on Tuesday night, App State, I'm not looking ahead, just telling you, find somebody now. There's somebody that will take your tickets. Don't sell them. Give them away. Just make sure they're used. So, well, yep. Dave. Well, appreciate your time as always. Um, well, thank you very much, sir. Did you hit that second beer or that IPA or did we go too fast I tonight? <laughs> no, we went too fast tonight. It's in my, uh, it's in my mini fridge. I may, uh, yeah. I, I may either break it open tonight or maybe wait till tomorrow. Well, I will tell you two things that are wonderful. If you're looking for something to watch on TV, uh, if, uh, 
PBS is, is doing a uh, documentary on uh, Muhammad Ali right now. Uh, yep. It's two hours. Uh, eight, I want to say uh, four episodes, five episodes. Uh, so far, it's excellent. But even if you're not a music fan or a Beatles fan, McCartney on Hulu. My goodness. Okay. I have... I've been a McCartney fan for a long time, but there were things in there that I, it just, it, it amazes me. So. Yeah. Well, I'll have to check that one out. I did see yesterday. I was on the new channels and saw the Muhammad Ali thing. Um, it was the second, I think second episode or third episode. So I was, I watched a little bit of it, uh, but I have to go back and catch up. And I didn't know about the uh, Paul McCartney thing. So I'll have yep. to watch that as well. Both of them are excellent. So, well, for awesome for Dave Amato, I'm Craig Malasa, and you've been listening to We're Talking. We'll talk to you again, uh, hopefully tomorrow, if Chris Lano dials in. Have a good night. Oops. <laughs>